0: Folks, welcome to the Roots Report Podcast presented by Motif magazine and sponsored by Rhode Island Blood Center. Mother Earth Wellness, Trinity Brew House, Rhode Island Energy, and R One Indoor Carding. I am your host, John Fusick. Today we have comedian Paula Poundstone. She is known for her comedy specials, TV appearances, book, NPR's "Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me," the podcast "Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone," and much more. She will be presenting her idiosyncratic humor on December second when she takes the stage at UMass Dartmouth as part of the Zeitarians on the road shows while the Z is being renovated hey how you doing all right so I've talked to you quite a few times over the past few years you know we've covered lots of stuff over the years Uh, one of the things we always talk about is your cats still got them how
1: many many (laughs) you
0: how many cats do you have now
1: um no I only have nine only
0: not yeah, last time I think you had twelve.
1: Yeah, I might have. I, I had sixteen at one point, but uh you know, they don't last forever. Oh, They're nice. like us, you know. You gotta you gotta chase the ball with a bell in it while you can. <laughs> now do you still have your dog i have two dogs yeah i have uh, uh one dog who's like 14 is that the golden retriever? and then uh he is no he i don't know what he is he's part german shepherd and part something with long hair so maybe part golden and then my other dog who looks like a golden retriever she's part golden retriever and part Newfoundland. they're a lot of work <laughs>
0: They're all worth it, though. They're, well, very, they're so worth
1: it. Well, it's lovely to have the company. Oh, yeah. But my the, my the dog that looks like a golden retriever, she's, uh, I, I don't know, is she three and a half, four, maybe? And she tore her ACL, which is a CCL in a dog, I guess. But it is a tremendously expensive surgery. And then... Uh, you know, tremendously expensive, you know, meds. And and then it, 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 she had the surgery, and then I was told she was supposed to rest for two months, which I have no idea what that even looks like. Uh, I, I, you know, it's just such a silly idea. But um, I did read to her from Old Old Yeller for the first couple of nights so that she understood the options if the healing didn't go well. Um, so, uh yeah, they're both just, they love the in and the out game. That's their—that's pretty much their goal all day long, is could you let me in? Could you let me out? I'd oh, like to go in now, I want to go out
0: now. Now, are your cats inside cats? They are. Oh, okay, because at least you're not doing that with the cats, because that would be like a non-stop thing with the cats. It would be. You know,
1: when I was growing up, we had three cats, and uh, we had a uh, one of those cat doors, you know, little cat door, um, but... Other people's cats came in, so (laughs) I'm not sure I would enjoy that so much. And here in this house, we'd end up, we'd end up with. If I had a, you know, like some sort of animal door, we'd end up with raccoons in the house. Oh yeah. Because uh, we have uh, every now and then I see a gang of raccoons coming down the street. It's the funniest damn thing.
0: I feed them in my backyard often. We uh, we have families of raccoons that hang out in the backyard. We. During the summer, we would hang out with them and play with the babies and stuff. Oh my gosh, <laughs> they're so um scary. No, I mean, they're adorable they're, they are, but they're, they're scary. No, no, they're actually not. They just to come across that way. People have such a bad misconception about raccoons. They're they're very sweet and they're very nice and they're they're kind of like a little cross between a cat and a dog and. I mean, I was tickling the yeah, baby's bellies they, and stuff. Yeah, but
1: they're fighters, oh, well. it, you know. It, like, I would never want my dogs to go up against uh, a raccoon. I think the dog would get hurt. We, um, A long time ago, I used to feed, uh, I guess it was the first dog I had, Who I used to feed him on the porch. Um, it's, and then sometimes he wouldn't finish the food. And so it would just lay out there for a little while and not long, but a little while. And uh, and then, of course, it, it turns out there was both rats and raccoons coming up on the porch eating its food. And so uh, I, I don't know why I thought this was helpful, but I found a board and I just put the board over top of the food. And one night I hadn't put it quite all the way over. And it's not like Honestly, God, rats could have probably moved that board, but certainly a raccoon could. But um, uh, one night I hadn't put it all the way over the board. So there was just a small opening and a raccoon was up on the porch. My dog was in the house, but he was going nuts watching this (laughs) raccoon. And the raccoon didn't move the board. Instead, it just sat there staring at my dog on the other side of the door that has some, you know, glass panes in it. Putting its hand slowly into that little opening, pulling it back up, putting a piece of the dog food in its mouth. I was like, okay, if there was no boat on top, the thing would just eat the fucking food and get out of there. But as it was, it was this. It was performance art. It was raccoon performance art.
0: I can see it. It was very I, effective. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've seen that. My cat, well, my cat finally calmed down. My cat usually crawls all over me while I'm doing these podcasts and interviews. The little theme song that I use for my podcast has a little nod to her at the uh, end of the guitar part there's a little ringing bells and that's because periodically through a podcast you can hear the little bell on her collar as she's climbing all over things and rubbing on everything oh
1: yeah during the stay-at-home order when you know i had no idea how long it would last or if if theaters would ever be able to open again it was you know there was a period of time where we really didn't know what was happening right. uh, you know as a country and uh, apparently Trump knew, and I guess Bob Woodward did, but they didn't feel the need to tell us. Um, so still pissed at Bob Woodward. Um, I, I, Trump, there's no point being pissed at. It was just, you know, it, you'll just be pissed all day. But mm-hmm. Bob Woodward should have known better. But an, anyway, so during that period of time, I did that thing. I always forget what it's called. Shoot, I think it starts with a C. Um, it's the thing where people can buy, you can make these personalized videos to people through an app. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: I, I know what you're talking about. Um, I yeah, can't I cannot I for
1: the light. I think I've blocked it because it was such a horrible period of time. Um, but anyways, you know, just it was it was some income. It was, you know, truly a drop in the bucket, but it was something. So I did that and I would do them at night because the lighting was better. And uh, I would sit on this bench in the ballroom of my house. <laughs> and which uh, And at the time... My dog Mo was much younger, and there w- and one of my cats, my cat Theo, they were best friends, um, and they chased each other all the time, and uh, you know, just played together and hung out. But the minute I set up, because I put the, I would put the, uh, the 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 camera phone thing on the on a tripod. The minute I set that stupid tripod up, they would feel the need to run through the legs of it. <laughs> And you know, all I wanted was to get this stuff done. You, you know, uh, I mean, I wanted to do the best job that I could, but I really wanted to get it over with. And and, and a lot of this time too was when, it, it, you know, it was over the summer. It was roasting hot, so I did that thing where I, you know, I wore a button-down shirt and a tie up top, and then on the bottom, I, j- I had shorts. Um, and, you know, no no one was the wiser. But, you know, I'd almost be done making a video. And by the way, it turns out most people do them for about 30 seconds. Mine were like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. <laughs> you know. <I> was- <laughs> Never occurred to me that you were just supposed to say happy birthday and be done with it. So I'm doing like full-on productions. I did a I, I did a performance of Midsummer Night's Dream in one of them. <laughs> I think I just I really went all all out. I did Equus. Uh, well, they got of, their money's worth.
0: Really... Definitely got their yeah, money's and worth.
1: I would almost be done with the damn thing. When the dog and cat would feel the need to run through the, the legs of the tripod, and of course it would make the camera go, uh, and I, had, uh, I, I, I and the neighbors must have heard me screaming at those animals, I'm like, would you get the fuck out of here? <laughs> but it, if I had just put them in the other room, you know, then they would have barked and whined, and uh, uh, you know, you're at their mercy, that's the problem, you're at their mercy
0: well you know it adds to a little it adds a little uh excitement to it i mean usually i you hear me yelling at my cat when i'm like when she's starting to heave and i have to like run and grab something to catch the puke with so she doesn't oh
1: are you able to do that
0: sometimes sometimes i do i sometimes i can catch it but sometimes i can't because if it's on the other side of the room and i'm in bed i'm like yeah i'll, I'll just get it later
1: <laughs> i'll tell you something uh, with all the cats I have, I would be goddamn Jackie joyner Kersey by now if I had had to run every time my cats threw up.
0: Isn't it That's amazing really, how much think, they throw up?
1: Oh, honestly. Yeah, everything everything makes them a little bit nauseated. I, I think now, because my cats are Democrats, and so they see, they see what's going on in the world, and it just makes them nauseated, and I don't blame them for that.
0: Well, at least yesterday's uh, election results were more, a little more on the positive side. So hopefully we're swinging. Yeah,
1: there were some positive things yesterday. I, you know, I don't think you can draw too many conclusions about it, but uh, you know, because there's this wild card of insanity.
0: Yeah, I know. It's it's insane that we're we're dealing with. And I
1: I really believe it is insanity. Oh, it is. I think it's a, a,
0: collective mental illness that's taken over the country.
1: Yes. Yes, without a doubt. Um, all right, here's a weird idea that I think really has legs, which is this. Um, so I have a podcast. It's called Nobody Listens to Paul Poundstone. And um, uh, we have a guest, that probably the, the person uh, – it, it's a comedy podcast, uh, mostly extremely silly. But we, but we do, on most episodes, interview someone with real information to share. I mean, we generally make jokes about the real information, but – The listener is getting real information on a topic that, you know, can somehow, you know, help in adulthood. And we found a woman who was a professor in North Carolina, Eleanor Spicer Rice. And she, um, I forget, we had an episode, I think, oh, I know what it was about. When we first met her, it was, uh, she was our guest. Uh, I interviewed her about ants answer so f- fascinating. And then it went from there to, you know, sort of, uh, you know, a bigger expanse of bugs. Um, and then it, it, we interviewed her one time because she had a book coming out and the book was about microbes. Now, I don't know anything about microbes. Um, so uh, it was a children's book about microbes, which is especially weird. But um, w- what she told us Was that, you know, we all have microbes on the outside of our bodies and on the inside of our bodies. Now, what I what I'm not certain about is if we have the same microbes as like, you know, like my dogs have microbes on them. But do we share microbes or are there human specific microbes? This I don't know. But there are microbes on every living thing, I think. Uh, She told us about a behavior that the microbes have with ladybugs, which is this. They can. The microbes' job, like most species, are to create more of them. And one of the ways that they do that, when the ones that are on the ladybugs, they can eat out the brains of, I think it was male ladybugs, and cause, and then they sort of take over. It's like a, it's like a James Bond movie where, some, you know, somebody punches the guy who's at the helm of a ship. And then they take over the helm of the ship. So now the microbes have taken over the helm of the ladybug's uh, brain. And then they can cause the ladybug to, I don't know, go among other, go among the female ladybug, to, to have a behavior that can help the microbes reproduce, but is not in the best interest of the ladybug. And so when she was describing this to us, all of a sudden I was like, that's what happened. That's what's wrong with us. It's microbes. It's got to be microbes. Because over and over again, the question that we wrestle with is, why are people voting not in their own best interest? Mm. And, And I'm not talking about people are trying to be philanthropic or trying to be selfless. That's not what it is. But, you know, why would poor people Right, vote for someone who never lowered their taxes, lowered the rich people's taxes. Right, what? Right. What is that? So, it, you know, and doesn't do anything for them, and clearly doesn't care about them, and then ask them for money when he's in legal trouble. It makes no sense, it and they do it.
0: <laughs> I know it's.
1: It's, it's got. And you're right. It's. I. I don't think it's any nuttier. You know, if never knowing about the the microbes and the ladybugs before, when I heard about it, I was just like, well, that's that's insane. That's like sci-fi stuff. Mm. And then I was like. No, you know what? That's us. Now I don't know how you. I I don't know if there's any microbe repellent you can use to like, spray around your head and shoulders, kind of keep them away from your brain. But I would recommend it.
0: Almost sounds like an episode of the X Files. Like the the the, the uh, aliens are getting getting you human species ready for them to go over. They're just getting as many people s- subservient to stupidity as possible. And then they just take over. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, Who knows? Who knows?
1: or we're part of a uh, yeah, or we're part of a grander scheme where we're just like a pinball machine.
0: And, we're, the, you know? we're, and, and then, we're resilient. We're 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 not receptive. You and I and people like us are not receptive to this this stuff. We're immune from it, so we're in yeah. trouble in some well, other way. <laughs>
1: yeah, for now we're going to be caged eventually. Yeah, well, that much. may happen. That that may happen like. I mean, we may just be hedged because I mean, Trump hasn't actually said my name, but I do think that I'm, you know, I don't think I'm on the top of the enemies list, but I would certainly be on the enemies
0: list. Oh, I'm sure um, I would be too. As long as you know, if he knew who I was, I mean, well, you're 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 an atheist, right? You you know you're not a believer. I am. So I mean, yeah. that with the Christo fascism that's going on drives oh. me nuts. I mean, that kind of stuff. Horrifying. I mean, that's another form of mental illness that really boggles my mind are people who i mean i don't i don't mind people who believe and just use it for their own personal mental health to believe in something that's fine that's like you know having a rabbit's foot or a lucky clover you know it's all in the same field for me that's you know that's what you believe your superstitions you want to believe that that's fine but when you start imposing your superstition superstitions on me, that's when there's a problem, and that's when I get worried and very irked, and I'm sure you feel the same.
1: I do feel the same, and and also, it's, you know, it was one of the motivators of the country forming, To you know, everybody who likes to quote, oh, the founders, the founders. Well, geez, that was kind of a big thing. Uh, Mike Johnson, you know, that interview where he said, uh, people ask me what's my, what was it, what's, wasn't agenda, it was what's my you know, it was my philosophy or something like that. He said, you know what I'm talking about? And he mm-hmm. said, he said, I can tell you, you, you just take that, takes a Bible off your shelf and read it. And that'll tell you it, the word isn't philosophy, but it's something like that. And, you know, what was striking about that response wasn't just that he was, you know, telling people that, you know, his whole, you, you, you know, that he's using the Bible as a, uh, uh, you know, as a manual, uh, it wasn't just that. It was he take the Bible off your shelf, as if we all have Bibles on our shelves. Exactly. We don't. We don't. We're not the only religion. No. You know the the the, the it, it, and it was just so blind. It was so like, oh boy, did you see the picture of him? I think he's in like a wife beater maybe. <laughs> um, no, his, I haven't and, seen. And, it. and with his wife. <laughs> Um, like year, It was a long time ago. It was a, a, pit, a picture from a long time ago, and they're both very young-looking. All right, I hate it when people say, like, oh, so-and-so is gay. If so-and-so doesn't say they're gay, then what fucking business is it of yours? I don't, I don't like it when people speculate. But, okay, so I don't know what this guy's sexual orientation is, and I don't much care. But if a whole community of young gay men haven't found that picture salacious... I'd be shocked it, it, I, you know I used to work in a bookstore in Boston in the uh, late seventies and um
0: was it the combat zone
1: no it was uh no it was in Copper square oh okay. it was uh, it was all it was all legit but what was so and at the time, I, I mean, I was shockingly naive. I, I, I really uh, very I knew very little about the world or or sexuality one way or the other. And um, I'm not that different than that now. But uh, people would. So we had this magazine section, you know, and, you know, Copley Square had like they had a gay bar. Uh, and uh, so it was an area where you might be likely to, you know, where. Gay guys might pick one another up, kind of thing. And uh, so, when a gay guy would come in and buy magazines, sometimes they would. We we sold Blue Boy, and I forget what the other one was. Uh, oh, oh, Playgirl. <laughs> so we sold Blue Boy and. The girl. And um, so they'd bring this big stack of magazines up to the cash register and I'd be ringing them up. And it always started with, you know, on the very top would be like, you know, time. (laughs) And then (laughs) and then the next, you know, maybe maybe one down from that would be Architectural Digest.
0: Well, it's like when we were kids and we used to buy condoms. It would be like a candy bar, a soda, a condom pack, of condoms, a yeah, magazine.
1: exactly. <laughs> but you know what? You know, Blue Boy wouldn't be for the very bottom. But I, I it just always really made me laugh. Like it was under the cover of you know, do you want to do you want a paper bag? No, I'll use the Architectural Digest. Thank you. Um, it was this. the same concept, really. Uh, I forget why I'm telling you that, but oh, because of uh, because of uh, Mike johnson right, i'm telling right. you that picture you look at that picture and you go oh no there's a lot more to this story
0: oh my god so so we you have these two podcasts and you talk about them you do you, are you still doing wait wait don't tell me i do how often do you do that i do
1: um not often enough um i do it i don't know uh maybe once a month once every other month something like that oh they they ex- they expanded their pool of of panelists, and so I'm not on as much as I used to be. Uh, but um, I don't think it's. But I th- I think that's across the board. I don't think any of the panelists are on as much as they used to be because they expanded their pool of panelists. But it's still really really fun to do. I I still feel like the luckiest performer in the world for ever having been pay- paired up with them.
0: It's well, you, great. You've gotten paired up with. I mean, you you. You've had a lot of great things that you've done over the years. I mean, you've written books, you've done comedy specials, you've done you've had little T V series, guest spots. You've had all kinds of things. Now I look on your merch page and I see one of the things that you're selling is the Poundstone Pussy Pillow.
1: Yeah, you know, talk about a wide range of talents. <laughs> uh.
0: I love the description for it. It's like you know, it's made in a sweatshop by Wendell, my assistant.
1: It's true. It, it, it's true. You know how it came into being. I was asked uh, uh, a few years back now, probably about maybe four years ago, to do a, yeah, like a corporate job. You know, there was a some sort of annual meeting or something of um, PBS and NPR, and it was in Dallas, and I was asked if I would go entertain there, and uh, so I was like, yeah, and it, you know, it wasn't. I didn't get paid for it. I just, uh, you know, they paid for the hotel and the flight and it was no big deal. Um, so, uh, you know, it's PBS, it's NPR. Mm-hmm. So uh, I fly, I do this job. And uh, and now, you know, I've, I've forgotten about it. And a little bit of time goes by and one day, you know, the doorbell rings and, you know, you go and there's nobody there, but there's a box. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a big box, not heavy, but big. And uh I I pull it into the house. My daughter said my daughter goes, it smells like catnip. <laughs> we open the box, it is thirty five pounds of catnip. <laughs> and it was a thank you gift from NPR.
0: <laughs> That's quite a now, you. I, I, Get your No, I don't stoned. know if NPR
1: yeah, I don't know if, if the NPR people know this. I would think they do. They seem bright, but um, you couldn't go through thirty-five pounds of catnip in a lifetime, like just with your own cat. You know, I mean, the cat would actually get sick of catnip. I think. I think they'd be like, you know, you know how they get really excited when they smell it. But I think if you had thirty-five, pounds, although I will say we opened it, so there was the box, and then it was in a, a you know, plastic. Uh, a bag inside and we cut open the plastic bag and one of my cats just jumped in uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, was like, it was like Scarface uh, except for uh, um, but anyways and so I said you know what let's make cat toys and that was the inception of the uh, Poundstone Pussy Pillow which is now it's a very popular seller
0: I'm sure it is I,
1: I autograph it to people's cats <laughs> On the back and, and, and really you know I know there's performers who't do who won't do autographs, and they you know it's probably because they have huge, huge audiences, uh, and maybe it would it, 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 and maybe that really wouldn't be tenable for me the whole I don't know that anybody who's ever gotten an autograph from me takes it home and, you know, frames it or puts it in a hallowed place. They may just they may just toss it away as they walk away from me. I have no idea. <laughs> but what it does is that's helpful for the interaction is it gives the interaction a beginning and a middle and an end. And it's very helpful to me. So uh, because otherwise, you know, I'll. Go on forever, and neither one of us will know when to, you know, bow out. Mm. But as it is, you know, I, if like after the shows, I do uh, a meet and greet, I won't, I won't do it if I don't have
0: merch. Do you bring because the pussy pillows with you? I do. Oh, oh great. yeah,
1: yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard people standing in line go, "Oh no, they're out of pussy
0: pillows." <laughs> Um, now, do the airlines give you any problems? Do the dogs sniffing dogs or anything? Find, <laughs> just, they're, they're like, what's this?
1: No, but you know what? It's very good. It's a union thing on the part of the sniffing dogs, because uh, if they ever brought our sniffing cats, uh, <laughs> it would destroy the airlines. Um <laughs> No, I have no idea. They, they well, they generally go in my big suitcases, and uh, I don't, you know, I don't carry them on. I don't go through uh, the TSA with them. It mm.
0: would drive the TSA wild. Now you're flying I mean you do a lot of gigs. Your weekends are mostly gigs. You fly out to do gigs yeah. almost every weekend. Now I looked at your schedule. You're booked out until April of next year already and it looks like every weekend you have gigs so you, you know you fly out. Did it hurt out.
1: you back when you looked at my schedule? Did you think about all those hours sitting on an airplane and then made your back hurt? I can't, I can't.
0: You know I can't even imagine flying at this point especially like every time I hear the news it's just delays and cancellations and everybody i know who's flown lately it's i mean flying used to be hell now it's now it's even more hellish if that's possible
1: yeah it's not good i just the other night i was supposed to be flying to jfk and american airlines they had the you know there are delays things happen i, I you know and people go well, i'm never taking that airline again really because they're all the same yeah. i i don't know i mean apparently spirit's a little bit different i'm told but uh the, the rest of them are all the exact same but I, so it was on american airlines and I uh, you know, ten thirty flight, ten thirty at night., uh, so I'm gonna take the red eye. To JFK, and and then I had to be driven to another town from there. So uh, you know, so I'm there promptly, and I you know at the gate, and I'm looking at how many minutes till we board. Blah blah blah. And in a little while, of course, I look up and there's you know, oh delayed to eleven thirty. Oh okay, <laughs> and then you know, eleven thirty comes and goes. They haven't said anything about it, and now people are starting to line up at the desk, which they hate. Mm-hmm. So they go, uh they go, we're going to tell you, uh, you know, sorry for the ing- We're going to tell you in fifteen minutes. If the flight's delayed or canceled. Oh, uh, you know, it's, so, you know, I don't know, a while goes by, and finally, you know, it's, well, it's delayed. So you think, okay, you know, I can wait, okay. Wait until 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh, that geez. I've never experienced. Wow. Well, if I flew at 10 o'clock in the morning, I wouldn't make it to my job on time. And I'm only there for one night. There's right. no point going. Right, right, So I had to, you know, it was a big night. of. And then So I had to switch airlines, which meant I had to go get my bags, which meant I had to go back out through security, which meant I couldn't get back in through security because I switched to JetBlue and they didn't open until 4 in the morning. And it's now <laughs> in the middle of the night. <laughs> and um and and there were no chairs uh because uh, because they don't have many chairs because they have a problem with um you know with people who have nowhere to go that that go to the airport right um and so the good news is like when i lived in boston when i was young i lived in inside a restaurant for a while and um i figured out this way of putting just regular like like a like chairs that you would sit in at a restaurant, like putting those kind of chairs together so that I could sleep on them. And so I was able to use that same sleep technology to shove my two cases together and sleep on top of them. The truth is, it was actually more comfortable than sleeping here in my
0: house. <laughs> Now, how many of the animals sleep with you? That's the question.
1: My dogs. I don't let the cats sleep with me anymore because there was some territorial peeing, and it's just too much for me to cope with. I'm like, guys, could you get, yeah, could you get a label gun, maybe something like that? They would, they pee on me to tell the others that I'm their special someone, and that is just not what you want to be woken up
0: with. No, it, um, it's not.
1: No. No, so yeah, so me and the dog sleep together. It's good.
0: I saw I saw on your website you have uh, these exercise videos. Now, are those new or old? I can't tell because it's not dated. Are Those oh, uh,
1: not real. Uh, you know, uh, not real recent. I'm still doing exercises, but they're not real. N- not real recent. Uh, a couple of years ago, I think uh, I made them. Uh, oh, because uh, I'm watching it, uh...
0: and you're doing jumping jacks and you're talking. And I'll be like. Number one, I wouldn't have been able to do the amount of jumping jacks you did. Number two is, I don't think I'd be able to utter a word while I was jumping doing jumping jacks, because I think I would be gras- gasping for breath and trying not to die of a heart attack.
1: Well, it is the hard part, um, and that was the thing. I never counted when I did those, um, because... Yeah, I figured, yeah, when I'm done talking, that's when the – you know, like my fa- – which I, I still do occasionally. I started doing TikTok videos and I still occasionally do uh, uh, plank therapy where um, – for a video where I do a plank, and then I promote the theaters that I'm going to while I'm planking. And I'm pretty sure, um, because my regular nightly plank that I do while I do what I call my improvements, uh, are uh, three, 3 minutes and 15 seconds. But when I'm promoting where I'm going to be uh, while I'm planking, it's surely longer than 3 minutes and 15 seconds. So... There's something kind. Of, there's something helpful about talking instead of counting. It makes the time fly by faster.
0: And you're killing two birds with one stone. The fact that you can even do that, I think I could probably do it for about three seconds before I'd collapse, especially if I had to talk. Oh,
1: well, you know, you build up to it over time. <laughs> so uh, I, think I have some. I have some vision problems, and I. I have glaucoma, and I said oh. to the doctor one time, "I go, you know." I wonder if it's not entirely a vision problem. I wonder if it's a brain problem, a processing problem. Because sometimes I'm looking right at something and I do see it. I just don't know what it is. And in a few seconds, like I, I figure it out. You, you know, or or like, or like I'll come in my bedroom, and I'll I'll be looking for a dog. My dogs are big, and my bedroom is small. And I'll be like. Angrily calling the dog because I don't understand where they are, and they're right in front of me. Even the dogs are like, "What the fuck?
0: I'm right here. What do you want?" Well, you know, I, I, it's you know, I'm we're we're pretty much the same age, so I mean, I, that happens to me too. I mean, I'm like, I don't know if it's age related, if we're just getting into that part where we're just starting to get little slippage of the brain. Uh, I don't know it. it the neurons sure, I, I aren't feel... working as fast,
1: or is it the microbes? We have no way of knowing.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe they like Something. make older stuff now. They, they like.
1: I'd rather be, I'd rather go blind than, uh, you know, be a trumper uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'd rather. I think Dana Carvey used to say. I don't know. I forget what prompted him to say this. He used to talk about somebody being a head on a dish, and I, I would rather be just a head on a dish than be a Trump supporter.
0: <laughs> now I, I know a lot of your comedy is off the cuff. I mean, you you are very you're probably one of the best off the cuff comics there are because you your shows are like very organic. They just I mean you have a plan in mind, I'm sure, but when you get to the show. You know, everything, it's bounce off the audience, it's, you know, what happened to you on the way to the show, and it's all very fresh, and you're you're known for not doing the same thing every night. I mean, you could go to your show three nights in a row, and you'd see three completely different shows, and, I mean, it's hard to ask you what you have in store for the Zyterian Dartmouth show, but it, you don't know because... You don't know until you get I there. Don't. Pretty much,
1: you're right. That's true. A lot of it. My favorite part of any night is just talking to the audience. I do the time honored way from what do you do for a living, and in this way, little biographies of audience members emerge, and I use that from which to set my sales. Uh, oftentimes, they you know they'll say something that reminds me of maybe a piece of material that i have or you know more likely you know it creates a conversation that's unique just to that night but uh it, it, that does mean that i don't really know i can i can say that and uh i talk about raising a house full of animals i talk about uh you know trying to Mitigate massive depression caused by <laughs> caused by the circumstances of the last you know several years that we're all going through. Um, I I talk about trying to pay attention to the news well enough to cast a, a halfway decent vote, and uh, and beyond that, I really don't much now.
0: Well, that's I mean that's actually a good thing, and you've been at it. I mean you've been at it for forty. What, 43 years now?
1: I think, what year is it, 23? I think it's 44 years now, I 44, think.
0: 44, 44. Is that right?
1: Am I doing the math right? Yeah, that's probably... It started in 79, yeah. yeah. that's 44,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, at this point, I mean... When you have a craft or a talent and you've done it for as long, so long, it's second nature and you're able to do these things off the cuff, which is, you know, it's it's a skill and it's a it's a practice skill. And every night you go out there and do it, you get more practice doing it and you're better at it. And it makes the show enjoyable because you're able to snap back at these things. And wittily, that's the important thing, is that you can come back with witticisms that work. As opposed to saying something and it just goes Poof, flat, and but you always—it's well, always not like heard that
1: hasn't ever happened as well. well.
0: I, I uh, haven't seen it happen in the any all the times I've seen you. Every time you've every interaction you've had with somebody, it comes back, and it's no matter what, and even if it dips a little, you always your initial comment dips. You always come back with something that brings it right back and over the top. That's what the practice. Well, that's I'm, what makes I, you a I'm pro glad. at what you do.
1: I'm glad that's your memory of it. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's very important. Uh, you know, when I when I was younger, I I, I worked in you know comedy clubs, and uh, you'd go in for I mean it's like the '80s, you know, you'd you'd go in for five nights, and the the club the comedy club thing was very very hot back then Uh, they would sometimes do literally three shows on a saturday night two shows on friday maybe you know maybe even two shows on sunday maybe so you'd get to the you know club and you had to stay in their god awful apartment that they provided for the comics it's just disgusting yeah and uh yeah they'd have some waitress go in and maybe vacuum once a week and it, it was pretty gross um you know, you'd get to the club on the first night, and, you know, there weren't many, uh, you know, there was a smaller percentage of women working than there were guys, and I I, I tended, I, don't, I didn't know anybody, right, everybody's always new, so uh, I tended to kind of hang out maybe at the bar. I would be privy to the conversations of the waitresses, um, and... I would literally hear them while the other acts were on, complaining about how many times they'd heard whatever. You know, by the end of the week, they knew the act of all the of the performers. Mm. Um, and and it may be that that performer you know had been there not that many weeks ago as well. So I would hear the waitresses complain about having to hear the same shit over and over again, and I could I could hardly blame them. Um, and it made me very sensitive to. Repetition. So my act to some degree, not entirely. I mean, you can't if you hear me, if you were to come two nights in a row, you you would hear some of the same things for sure. Um, but, you know, not entirely. I, I just I started doing my act so that I could keep the waitresses happy. That was <laughs> a thing. And now I don't do more than you know. I I usually don't return to the same place for years. Um, some places I go annually, but most places it's two or three years before I'm back. Um, and uh, and there are no waitresses in most of the places that I work. It's mostly theaters, um, so I don't really. But but I got used to this thing of making you know it's like Willy Wonka's um, chocolate waterfall. You know I like what <laughs> happens in the room. <laughs> To churn the chocolate, so it makes it more fun for me too. Actually,
0: yeah, well, it makes it fun for everybody. So one of the things that I think I brought it up to you last time is you really haven't had a comedy special out in a while, and
1: no, I haven't, and uh, I and I wish I did. But yeah,
0: because that's a that's a especially. I mean, I watch a lot of comedy on. Uh, Netflix and Amazon and all these things, and I watch a lot of comedy, and that's where I learn about a lot of new comedians, and one of the things that irks me about some of these new comedians, and I'm not going to mention any names, is that they're doing arenas. They're doing like 15,000-seat arenas, and that's not a venue for comedy, I think. I mean, you can pull it off with rock, and even even then it's starting to push it because it becomes such a... a impersonal experience when you're doing that. But with comedy, I think comedy, you need to be in a room where you're in some semblance of a close proximity to the performer where you can feel feel the vibe in the room, whereas opposed, if you're in an arena, you're watching a lot of it on a screen, you might as well be just sitting home watching TV because that's what it, it just yeah. becomes an uncomfortable night of watching TV on a big screen. You know, some of these comedians have rocketed themselves to their arena status with these Netflix comedy specials I mean, uh, there's a guy I'm not going to bring up names because I don't want to bring up names just but but there's a guy coming to town that most people haven't even
1: I said I won't know them anyways I don't know anybody
0: it's these people coming to town and I'm like they're playing the the Civic Center like 15,000 seat venue and I'm like I don't think they've been to town and I just don't get it where they're doing like the rooms that big it's just i i don't see them as that being that big of a comedian to start with and i don't see i just don't see comedy in a room i like you know comedy for the rooms that you do is probably the biggest i like to see comedy because i still feel connected to the performer in a in a situation like that but in those big rooms, it's you're so far removed from everything. It seems so, like, yeah. clinical that it, it doesn't seem like... It almost seems like you're just getting the comedy special on TV. But away from my point is the fact that, you know, you... I mean, a lot of these performers are, like, self-funding these, you know comedy specials and then selling them to the streaming services and i don't know if that's in your future or not because that you know you used to have a lot of tv presence and i just you don't have a lot of it anymore and i'd love to see your stuff where i could see it more often
1: i think that's a good idea all right that's what i'm gonna do
0: I don't mean to put the pressure on you. I'm just saying because I'd love no, to see. No, I
1: think it's a very good idea.
0: I, I'd love to see um, you have some more stuff out there because I mean your stuff is. Uh, some of the comedians that have these specials. I mean, granted, there are some that are very good, but there are a lot of people out there have a, multiple specials on there, and I just sit there and I watch them, and I'm like, yeah, I don't get it. This isn't even funny. It's not even that good. And you have like you know five uh, specials on Netflix. Uh, how are you? How are you this popular when you're not even clever? It's just it's just base sophomoric stuff that's not even well thought out you know and your stuff is yeah. is interesting and it's always funny and it's personable and it's i i like comedy like that and i can watch a comedy um special that's that's good i can watch it like 50 times and not be bored of it
1: oh yeah you know the um when i was young is when uh, richard pryor's first stand-up movie came out remember he did like i think he was did it was raw. no
0: that was eddie murphy I, was raw what
1: was his um eddie murphy was
0: raw yeah, yeah, yeah. no was this richard... was
1: before that i think richard Pryor, first one was just richard Pryor, you know live i think um but i think he was the first one to do that hmm. and um and, and you know where it was in a movie you know we went to a movie theater to see it. It, it it that first one i saw the second one and it didn't really do that much for me um but that first one was one of the most brilliant things you'll
0: ever see. Oh yeah, I mean that, um, the comedy that came out of that that era was great. And those, I mean, if Richard Pryor was still around, he'd be he'd be doing arenas at this point because you know he would be that funny because he was that good i mean i think george carlin george carlin would be doing arenas at this point too i mean he was doing smaller theaters just before he died uh,
1: although maybe they would have the good sense not to well that's, you know, that's what i would hope maybe they would have the good sense to keep it you know uh you, 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 you know to hold on to the magical part
0: well it, you know comedians like i i mean I, i'm a bill burr fan i mean he's a hometown mask guy guy like you're a mass person and you know i remember seeing him like two weeks salad sold out at the wilbur theater and i would i could see that the wilbur is a nice theater it's small but then yeah last year he did like I, i don't know how many dates he was like doing fenway park and i'm like oh my
1: god that seems like a terrible idea
0: yeah i just didn't get it. it was like fenway park for comedy I mean yeah it, I mean I went to see uh, Paul McCartney at Funway Park. That's a whole different animal. I mean that's like Yeah. That's that's Paul McCartney. That's something that's a rare treat and you're trying to get, you know, Paul McCartney's eighty, you know, and you wanna see him before there's no more Paul McCartney. So my but, but it's yeah. like yeah to see somebody a comedian at a at a venue that big, I just don't get it. But You know, he's doing it and he does well. So I mean I I give it I give him the credit for doing it and doing it well, but I just you know, I'd rather see somebody like you and in a theater like you do because you interact with the crowd. Um, I don't even think the crowd's close enough for these comedians to even interact with a human. I'm sure there's barricades, and you know the closest person to them is probably 20 feet away, and they're lucky if they yeah, could see them. Yeah. So anyway, we're off on a tangent. I'm really famous for getting off on tangents, and I think you are too, and that's why we oh, talk- um, yeah, <laughs> That's I'm, why we've I'm- talked so long. <laughs> I'm
1: a big tantrum person. Well, it's been fun talking with you. No,
0: I'm glad. I've, I like. I love talking to you. You're one of my favorite people to talk to. I think we've spoken a half dozen times over the years, and I've seen you quite a few times. Hopefully, I'll see you on December second at UMass in Dartmouth. I look forward to. Uh, always look forward to your shows. It's always fun. And uh, thank you for taking the time and and talking to me all this time. A long time.
1: uh, It was nice talking with you. Yeah,
0: and I hope you have a rest of your day and give all your your critters a pat on the head for me. (laughs)
1: All right, thank you so much. All
0: right, Paula, thank you. I'll see you soon. Take care. Take care, bye-bye. Okie dokie. Thanks to comedian Paula Poundstone for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. Paula will be at UMass Dartmouth as part of the Zyterians on the road shows on December 2nd. For more, look what the cat dragged in at Zytarian.org. That's Z-E-I-T-E-R-I-O-N.org. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Rhode Island Blood Center, Mother Earth Wellness, Trinity Brewhouse, Rhode Island Energy, and R1 Indoor Carding. Thanks for listening. Thank you.